Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. As we close out the week here on Today's Way of Grace, we do so back in Exodus 17, looking at the participation in the paradox of salvation. Join us, Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stan, coming up next. In Exodus, we have a couple of key moments in the lives of the Israelites where they are fed and they are watered all by God, the manna that would come down from heaven, and then, of course, water from the rock. Follow me as I lead you to the source and the fearless striking of the rock with the rod and the faith in Christ by leaders first. These are all points we're exploring today here on Way of Grace as Pastor Jesse Gastan continues our journey with us in Exodus 17. Here's Pastor Jesse now with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Life after the fall is hard. Pastor, it's hard. Blame that on Mama Eve and Daddy Adam. They did that. And now it's hard. It's hard, but it's not impossible. It's hard, but it's not impossible. At the very a dear sister yesterday, you know, because they're leaving, as you guys know, lots of folks are leaving. Another conversation, lots of folks are leaving. Had to bury a sister yesterday, and a dear sister came up and, and sang a wonderful, wonderful hymn. It's an old spiritual about I'm leaving, and I'm leaving my troubles behind. It was such a powerful hymn, powerful hymn. And what she was doing was revisiting the fact that this is particularly for the African-American community, but it's not indifferent for any other ethnic group because our ethnic groups have gone through hell for centuries and millenniums, have they not, to arrive at some place of decency and opportunity, such as in America. But when she sang that, oh, Negro spiritual, it's so clear that what folk had to do in the midst of trouble was just endure the trouble on their way out of this world Thanking God for life every day, food, bread, and water. I'm almost out of here. I'm almost out of here. Yeah. I said, wow, 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 wow. I said, wow. Because I know that they had to endure a couple hundred years of crazy. And hardly nothing was changing. And here we are having fits about a little something of nothing. I want to teach you a bit about mediation here. The mystery of mediation is the final subpoint under point number one. The mystery of mediation is so critically important to leadership. It will be marked twice, but this time in John chapter two, verse six through nine. This is how we know Jesus is God. We know Jesus is God because he acts like it. Like, see, only, 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 you know, if you're a fool and don't have power, we know you ain't God, right? You might have the gift of gab. You might fool us for a minute. But after a while, we go, no, you can't. You can't. You can't. 
turn water into wine. <laughs> We're going to know that. And I'm speaking metaphorically, I'm speaking philologically, I'm speaking circumstantially. circumstantially. People will pretend to be something they're not. And they act like they can turn water into wine. No, you go, uh-uh, that ain't wine. Uh-uh, that is not wine. That's still water. You lying to me. The Lord Jesus Christ was in a situation where his mother was the uh, head matron of a wonderful, wonderful marriage ceremony. And uh, the governor of the feast recognized that they had come short of the fruit of the vine. And she came to her son and said, son, can you help us? And son admonished her in the fifth verse. We don't need to get into it. He was challenging her when he said to her, because she is taking advantage of the relationship. My mama would do the same thing. I'm just letting you know right now. <laughs> she would do the same thing. Boy, you're the one with power around here. We got an issue, okay? I'm doing a feast for the governor, and look, we, we, we need some help here. So Jesus said, Mom, what you talking about? What do I have to do with you? My time is not yet. Hey, fellas, come here. My mama needs some help. He gathered the disciples around. He said, go get those six big old water parts of purification. They were big jugs, six of them. Bring them here to the governor of the feast and let them drink. Now, what did Jesus just do? He moved his disciples into participatory knowledge, into learning who Jesus was by participating with Jesus in an event that Jesus could have easily, by fiat and divine decree, could have turned the water and wine into wine. But leadership has to be drawn closer to Christ and know Christ at the participatory level. Because every step they took in obedience to Christ was a step of faith. And you will notice that our Lord told them to do it with the kind of authority by which all he was expecting them to do was do it. He wasn't expecting them to say, now, now Lord, what you going to do with this? What, 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 what? We going to the governor, Lord, you better let us know what you up to. No, this was the obedience of faith. That again is sub point A, submission and trust as a model. Now, if the Lord Jesus was not who he said he was, he was going to embarrass those boys, was he not? Well, listen to the language. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece, many gallons in each of them. So the work was a bit arduous. I just want to use that as an application. Very seldom is God going to call you and me to do something that's just not difficult. People ask me all the time, Pastor, how do I know it's the will of God? You ready? When you don't want to do it. <laughs> just, just, just start right there. Start right there. Well, you know it's the will of God when you don't want to do it. So you have to overcome that impulse. We call it being counterintuitive, right? When you are spiritual, you're counterintuitive and you're laughing. You you, you know, you you know, I'm telling some truth, but I'm actually telling a lot of truth, like a whole lot of truth. Like there are things that mama don't want to do, but she got to get on up and do it anyway. Things daddy don't want to do, but he got to get on up and do it anyway. We got an institution to run. We got mouths to feed. I don't want to do it, but I got to get up anyway. Right? And now I got to see God come through when he tells me what to do. Look at it. Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water 
and they filled them up to the brim. This here is an indication of totally being sold out to the plan of Jesus. See, when he calls you to do something, you got to be sold out to it. You might as well go all the way. I mean, like you ain't really sold out if you just put in half the water. Am I making some sense? Just in case it's not water, not wine. It just won't leak out. Won't nobody know. We just taking water to the feast. They filled it to the brim and literally in the Greek grammar, the brim there means overflowing. So now the disciples are about to really test Jesus. But see, the testing is mutual and it's collaborative and it's respectful because they are sold out. See, when you're sold out, you're willing to go all the way. Am I making some sense? All right. The Lord said, do it. This is what we're going to do. And whatever you do, whatever you find in your hands to do, you do it with what? All your might. And so you walk with those water pots all through the people, all the people looking at you. What, what, what they doing? What they doing? And, and you drop the water pots right in front of the governor of the feast. The Bible's very clear. And he said unto them, draw it out now. Here goes another act of obedience. Draw it out now. Take you a draft of it and draw it out and bear it unto. Now you're going to the governor. And you know them governors back in those days. Ask John the Baptist. You may not come back. <laughs> now, if that was me, Brother James, I'd be looking inside that jug. Come on, jug. You got it. You got it. You got to change. You got you got to change for me. It's still looking a little clear. Kind of look like Zippendale. All right, we got to change. We got to get the Merlot. Got to get the Merlot. I'm speaking metaphorically. Don't you stumble. Am I making some sense? Am I making some sense? Right, because it's got to change. Got to change. And I don't get to taste it on the way. Got to change. This is called submission to God at the leadership level. Prepare to learn the mystery of mediation. See, the lessons that are in front of us are not mere academics. I got to use this. This is what we, this is what we do in theology when we deal with uh, antagonistic positions. We'll give you the proper interpretation and then we'll deal with the antithesis. So what, what, what God teaches you and me is that it's not enough to get academic learning. Academic learning is one thing. Experiential knowledge is something else. Academic learning will set you up to be used like a puppet by the authorities over you which is what's going on in my government right now. That's what's going on in my world right now. Mere academic learning will give you paper, but it won't give you the principle of wisdom and experience to be able to discern what's right and wrong. And so the powers that, be, that are above will actually give you assignments and you will do assignments as a consequence of their having destroyed the integrity of the product that they want to pass down through you because all you have is paperwork. See, but when you have knowledge, when you have experience, you can tell whether or not the product that's being given to you from them is a legitimate product. And if you have integrity, you will say, I'm not going to have anything to do with a product that's going to harm people. When I signed an oath to do no harm, I'm going to leave that right. I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to leave that. That's why I love my Bible. This is why they're trying to get rid of this book. 
Because what God does is he teaches men and women well when he teaches them. When you're brought into the school of Christ, you learn academically, you learn experientially, you learn spiritually. He humbles you and teaches you that every form of knowledge you get must be mixed with integrity and virtue or else you're set up to be a con. That's all you are. You're set up to be a con. And we got way more cons in this world than we need. Way more cons in this world than we need. People are crying out for healing in our nation. They're crying out for healing in our world. And all they're getting is fraud. All they're getting is fraud. And the Lord will not raise up servants to that end. So what you see in this account is a beautiful example of what we call the mystery of mediation. God will always do that. You and I were saved through the mystery of mediation. Somebody else talked to you about Christ. You didn't get it from God directly, nor from an angel. You got it from the preaching and the preacher. Whether it was in the common aspects of life by a believer who was willing to tell you the truth and love and pray for you, or whether you heard it in a gospel preaching church. How shall they hear without a preacher? Am I making some sense? Right. It's so very true. I I'm always laugh at people when they tell me God taught me himself. Sure. Sure. God taught me himself. These are these are people that just stretch the truth. I'm going to talk about that in the marriage series too. stretching the truth a little bit. God was the one taught me. I didn't learn anything from anybody but God. God is the one that showed me his grace. I said, well, where did you get it? From? I got it from the Bible. You got it from the Bible. Well, where did the Bible come from? It came from men that God used to put the Bible together. So even if you can say, I talked to God through the Bible, God used men to give you the Bible. Y'all see what I'm saying? Right. You need to stop lying, tell the truth. God used somebody because he's preparing you to use you in the same way. That's what our text is teaching. It's teaching the mystery of mediation. Let me go on to my second point. Very clear here. Our second point is participation in the paradox of salvation. Now, Pastor, what you're talking about. Here we go again with all these big words. Mediation and paradoxes, and antinomies and all that kind of stuff. Well, just learn a few of those words. And in a minute, I was um, watching a presentation by some very, very sharp um, um, cognitive scientists. And they were saying in a minute, Every human being on the planet is going to be smarter than they ever imagined they were. Right, because, you know, AI is already all up on top of you. And if you let them get inside your head, you can have a nice little chip in your head whereby they can give you the information as quick as you want it. Quick. Quick as you want it. You can be quick with it. Quick with it. Get your little robot in your head. You be quick, quick with it. You and the robot in your head. Quick with it. It's coming. It's already here. People are already experimenting with it. You need to find out here now, you, you know, you don't have to even come to church no more. You can get a Bible program in your brain and know everything about the Bible. Don't even have to come to church no more. Or you can sit there while I'm preaching and you can know where I'm going before I get there. Does that make some sense? Yeah, that's how quick it's coming. But it's going to be a trap. I'll leave that alone. It's going to be a trap. But I'll leave that alone because, you know, we love sharks cuts to maturity. <laughs> Don't we like shortcuts? You know, one day you're as stupid as a goat. The next day you're more brilliant than Einstein. You're more brilliant than Einstein. 
So where did she get all that learning from? She went in there and, and Dr. Frankenstein drilled a hole in her head, <laughs> put a plug in it, and she walked out with that wig on, smart as a whip. Now listen to me. Now you might as well listen because as much as I'm using satire and humor, deep down inside what I know is the tragedy of what I'm saying is going to be true for a good 60, 70% of human beings because they have no confidence in God. And some of the people among us will buy into it. Right now, right, right among you. They're going to buy into it. They're going to buy into it. Old people that's already struggling with forgetting stuff, they're going to buy into it. And, and see, there you go. See, just go in, get the surgery. Got a three eight drill bit waiting for you already. Going on in in the morning, plug it in. We we'll put some Novocaine around it, and tomorrow evening you remember everything you grew up with. It's coming, coming, coming. When I deal with paradoxes, I'm talking about the nature of Scripture and dealing with us in ways in which it doesn't logically fit. And this one is going to be one. This one's not going to be that difficult to get. We'll be able to wrap it up here because the essence of our lesson has already emerged before you. God is training leadership to operate at a level of structure by which he reveals himself to them. And this is what he's about to do, reveal himself to them. This is called participation in the paradox of salvation. Salvation is always understood paradoxically. It's always understood paradoxically. God is saving sinners. That is a paradoxical conundrum. He's saving sinners. And he's saving sinners by someone themselves that cannot be a sinner. That is a tension. God is saving human beings. God, human beings. That's a paradox. He's saving human beings by himself. That is an enormous paradox. God is saving human beings by becoming a human being. That is an enormous paradox, which most of the world rejects. God is assuming a human nature when our human nature is the reason we're going to hell. That's a paradox. Are you hearing me? Christ, who assumes our nature, is going to die for our sins in order that we might live. That's a paradox. He's going to take our sin. He's going to give us his righteousness. He's going to be the substitute of sinners, and we're going to be the righteousness of God in him. That's a paradox. Do you understand that? It's a paradox. It's a reality, though. Paradoxes are needed in relationships as well. You'll see that when we talk. We have to have contrasts. They work when they're harmonized together. This is how God works. And so under point number two, participation in the paradox, he says, follow me as I lead you to the what? Now, the source is God himself. And we know that this is why we always close with praise God. What? From whom all blessings flow. God himself, according to Jeremiah, is the fountain of living waters. And the metaphor of the living waters runs from the garden in Genesis 2 to the garden in Genesis, in Revelation 22. Did y'all get that? The whole of your Bible encompasses a garden with rivers. A garden with rivers in the beginning and at the end, does it not? And what you and I are about to find out is how God allows that river to flow, to follow and take care of his people everywhere they go. Because everywhere they go, he goes. Y'all keeping up with me. So let's just look at this for a moment and we'll be able to shut it down. Notice what the text said in front of us. I I love this. Here's what the text said in verse six. Behold, I 
will stand before thee there upon the rock. Where is the one speaking? He's standing. Where? Upon the rock. Do you see it? So what God does is he assumes a position on the very rock that we're about to learn. Now the rock is going to be again a paradoxical insight into the way God is. Because what the people are crying out for is water. But God has his leadership coming to a rock. Did it come home yet? Right. So now on an optical level, uh, one would be very discouraged if you turn the corner, go up the hill, round the way, and you look up and there's a big old rock. I mean, it would be one thing if we were back down in Elam where there were 12 wells of water. We had a rock now. Leadership is being challenged, are they not? Leadership is being challenged. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. We have already come out of Egypt. We have come down out of the wilderness, Etham. We have come to Mara. That was the first time that they were dealing with the bitter waters. You guys remember that. We went down to Elam. Elam is where they were begging for bread. You guys remember that for, for food. And the Lord gave them uh, manna from heaven. Here we are now headed down towards Hazaroth in the area of Rephidim. This is where we are. Y'all got that? We are in this area right here and we are headed to Mount Sinai. We're going to be there in two chapters, okay? We are in this region right here. In this region is desert region. They are begging for water. They just have water here. I told you last week, if they would have just carried a few more jugs, they would have been fine. But the test was simply that they're moving away from the Red Sea. You guys see that? They're moving away. So they're more in the wilderness. And that's a challenge. Because there is nothing in the wilderness to provide for them. God has to send them quail from the uh, Mediterranean Sea to come over and feed them. Remember, they get flesh in the evening and then the manna comes down in the morning. You guys remember that? So the winds are going to blow the quail here and then they're going to get manna from heaven, angels food. But here is where we are right now, where they are struggling again with water. This is where the rock is going to be the object lesson here before they move from here to down here. So God knows what he's doing here. Because here is where he's going to make a covenant with Israel. So he's, remember, he is delivering them to develop them in order to deploy them. Y'all see that? We're not there yet. We're going to be there in two chapters. That means two messages. But I might as well do this while we're here. Notice that they come way up out of Ramses. They walk across the Red Sea and they come way down south. They're way down. And then they're going to make their journey up past the, the Gulf here all the way up, all the way up here in this area. And they're going to get to Kadesh Barnea. You see this area? This is the next time they're going to be having a fit about water. This is where Moses is going to get into some real trouble. Y'all got that? This journey here to here is going to be about 30, 30, um, 36 years, 38 years. Y'all got that? From here to here, 30, 38 years. And then they're going to walk from here all the way up to if we were able to see that, we're going to be at Mount Nebo where they're going to cross over into the promised land. You see Beersheba? All this is the promised land if the map was there. All this. So you see how they're going south? You see this long, circuitous route? God, there you go, sis. You're bringing, bringing it home. See Hebron? This is Israel. Y'all got that? This is, this is Israel, all right? So this here is the Galilean Sea. This here is the River Jordan. All of this is when they get there. Mount Nebo is where Moses will die. You see that? 
Now, Aaron will have already died and Miriam will have already died all in the same year. This is the year that Joshua is going to take them into the promised land. Y'all got it? Long journey, isn't it? Now, we got about four more, maybe five more messages between here and there to learn. God is taking them this way when he could have took them this way directly in. That's probably one of the reasons why they was complaining, too. (laughs) He's delivering you because his job is to develop you. His job is a relationship with you. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace.